Okay, so today we have a special sermon. The title is Undone. Our scripture reading today comes from Luke chapter 7, verses 36 to 50. You can follow along um, on the screen. Hear now the word of God. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, so she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the first time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Amen. It's my pleasure to introduce our speaker today. Some of you may know her as a passionate woman of prayer or as our children's pastor or just an all-around great gal. Let's give it up for Pastor Bobe Lee. Good morning. Good morning, church. Um, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Bobe, and like Pastor Bob introduced me, um, I'm the children's pastor here at New Mercy Palisades Church. I take care of your children. If you want to take care of some children and love on them, please talk to me because we need volunteers. Um, but before we get started, let me just pray for us. Father God, um, we just thank you so much. I just ask that you would be here and that you would speak through me. And Lord God, I pray that all the people listening, all the people that are here to receive, uh, may their hearts be open, may, may their eyes be open, and um, may their minds be open um, to receive all that you have for them or for us today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So it seems like it's been like almost a year now since I've preached, <laughs> and actually a lot's happened in my life. First, I turned 30 in October. So I know I fall in the younger half of the church, but, like, to be honest, my body is, like, feeling all kinds of pain like I never knew in my 20s. But on the flip side, I feel more comfortable with myself. And I'm actually looking forward to this new decade of my life because I love my 20s, but I'm not trying to go back, you know? <laughs> and another big thing that happened is that I moved out of my parents' house. Um, and 
it couldn't have been more perfect timing because pretty much right after I moved out, my family ended up getting COVID. And by the grace of God, I wasn't infected. And I just want to thank you guys, our church family, for praying for me and reaching out to me. The amount of support and prayer I received from our community, it was just so overwhelming. And even my family was so thankful. But, you know, I do have to say the biggest change and achievement in my life is that after five years of reading, writing, and crying, I finally graduated from seminary. You can clap for me. Please clap for me. I didn't get a graduation like everybody else, you know. Yeah, it's honestly, I wasn't really planning on being in seminary for so long, but it just kind of happened. Like my dad was even like busting my chops for having homework at 30 years old. That's not really cool, but it was all worth it. You know, all five years at Alliance Theological Seminary was exactly what I needed to be who I am today. In my last semester of seminary, I did a lot of processing and thinking with the Lord. Looking back at five years and 93 credits, what did I get out of this experience? I learned to read the Bible better. I gained an incredible amount of knowledge about how to lead people in their faith journey. I discovered what I valued in ministry and what kind of woman, pastor, and servant God wanted me to be. And those are like the good stuff that I got out of seminary. On the other hand, I had this lingering feeling that I couldn't shake off. It was something I actually felt probably like midway through my seminary career. And it was this feeling that while my knowledge about God and about his kingdom was growing, my experience with God was somehow being stunted. As I was learning and gaining more information about God, somehow my intellect was getting in the way of experiencing God because I began to rationalize, rationalize God through my brain. Anyone else done this before? Yeah. It's kind of like when you're dating or making a new friend. In the beginning, you want to hang out with them all the time, and getting to know them is so much fun. And after a while, because you know so much about them, or you think you know enough about them, you kind of put them in this box where they become predictable. The shiny effect is gone, and the relationship plateaus. It happens to the best of us, and it also happens to us in our relationship with Christ. After you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you're on this high and reading the word, praying and worshiping is so enjoyable, then slowly the fervor fades and you search for something new to give you the same kind of feeling. Most of the time for Christians, the next thing to look forward to is like a retreat or a conference. Don't get me wrong. I love retreats. I live for retreats, actually. But with COVID and everything, it's all been canceled. And many of us are kind of stuck in this lull with God during this COVID season. For some of us, we've been stuck on this plateau for years, and it's left us jaded in our faith journey. The praise songs, they just don't hit the same way anymore. Their sermons, they feel like they're just on replay, and you just go through the, emo- the motions of Christian morality more than being transformed by the Holy Spirit. The good news that once moved you to tears just doesn't have the same weight anymore, and your relationship with God has become predictable. So what's changed? Because the message of Christ remains the same. God loved the world so much that he sent his one and only son 
so that whoever believes in him will have the forgiveness of sin and eternal life. That we know is true. I mean, we're all doing the right things, right? Praying, reading the word, perhaps probably with your Delta group and getting in your Sunday worship. But what if, just what if, the problem isn't what you're not doing enough of, but the posture of your heart towards Jesus? What if it's our affections that have changed toward Jesus? And if that's the case, how can we have a heart that is positioned to, trans- to be transformed by the gospel again? And I believe that our text today has the answers. So in order to have a heart positioned for love, you must first know the condition of your heart. Today, we find Jesus at a dinner party hosted by a Pharisee named Simon. Dinner parties back then were quite different from the dinner parties now. When an important guest came, like Jesus, the banquet was held outdoors in a courtyard, and it was open for uninvited people to come and listen in on conversations. Everybody loves to eavesdrop, right? That would explain how the sinful woman could be present. Right off the bat, we learn the status of the two main characters. Simon, he's a Pharisee, probably a well-to-do one. And the woman, she's got a bad reputation on the streets. In those days, women, they weren't invited to banquets like this, nor did Jewish rabbis even speak to them in public. But Jesus, he is no regular teacher. He never fit the mold of the Pharisees, and that's probably what irritated them the most about Jesus. And it's pretty obvious by how Simon judged the woman and Jesus. When he saw how the woman was behaving, Simon said in his mind, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Isn't it crazy how quickly our minds are prone to judge? Sometimes, like, my brain is already thinking things before I realize I'm even thinking it. Simon expected that this great prophet would be able to discern what kind of person she was and not concern himself with her. But Jesus proved to be a prophet in a different way by addressing Simon's thoughts. And in true Jesus fashion, he goes into a story. There are two people who owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither could pay him back, so the moneylender forgave them both. Which of the two will love him more? The answer is obvious. Simon answered correctly too. The one who had the bigger debt forgiven, he says. And then Jesus continues. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned towards the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house, but you did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman, from the time she's entered, has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. The comparison that Jesus makes here of the three things are the things that the host was supposed to do when a guest came to their house. When a guest comes, the host is supposed to place their hand on the guest's shoulder and give a kiss of peace. This was a way to show respect and honor, especially to a distinguished teacher like Jesus. It was customary that cool water was poured over the guest's feet to clean off the dirt from the dusty road. 
and sweet incense was burned or oil was placed on the guest's head. While this woman, who wasn't even the host, greeted Jesus in the proper way, Simon, even though he knew very well the customs, did not do this for the guest of honor. Now, Jesus doesn't compare their actions to say who did better or who did worse. It's not about that for Jesus. What Jesus was trying to do was reveal the posture of Simon's heart. Unlike the sinful woman who was completely undone by Christ, Simon was so blind that he failed to see the guest of honor. As a host, the first thing Simon should have done when Jesus walked in was to kiss him, give him water for his feet, and put oil on his head to show respect. This culture back in the day is very big on, like, shame and honor, if you know, stuff like that. I mean, it's his house after all, and he did invite Jesus. But Simon, he neglected to greet Jesus and, in turn, misplaced Jesus. One of the reasons why our hearts stop being unraveled by Jesus is because we often misplace Jesus in our lives. Jesus, he's meant to be the guest of honor at Simon's house. Jesus is meant to be the Son of God, our Lord and Savior, our first love. But we often place other things before him. How many of you guys have said before, yeah, I, wanna, I want more of God in my life and not really mean it? I've been there. I'll be the first one to raise my hand about that. Most of the time, it's because what Jesus wants seems too inconvenient for me. So about three years ago, I felt like the Lord wanted me to fast. And if you know me, I don't fast. <laughs> I hate fasting. And this is literally what I said when Jesus said, when I felt like the Lord was leading me to fast for three days. I said, no, Jesus, I can't because I'm going to have FOMO over food. I'm going to have FOMO over dinners at my family's house. I just can't. That's such a silly reason to reject Jesus' invitation, but that's really how I felt. It's often that our enjoyment, our comfort, our convenience often overrides what Jesus has for us. And because of this, we fail to see the value of the need that Jesus is trying to fill in our lives. Our inability to see the need keeps us from being undone before the Lord. In Simon's eyes, he had no need for Jesus or whatever Jesus was offering. The story about the debt collector's forgiveness really hits the nail on the head with how Simon was ju judging the sinful woman. Compared to the woman, Simon had little to be ashamed of. He had a respectable social status. He knew the laws, he had a nice house, he could throw dinner parties and invite special guests like Jesus, and he wasn't identified as sinful by others. But where Simon and where many of us become blinded is when we get prideful against God and others. I think something our culture takes great pride in is becoming independent. In the year 2003, there was a movie that came out that I probably watched like 10 times, and it's called Charlie's Angels Full Throttle. These three beautiful women, but dangerous, fought to bring the bad guys down. And there was a song in the soundtrack sung by the Destiny's Child. Um, I don't even have to say it because you already know, right? All the women independent. 
Yeah, yeah, throw your hands up, right? Throw your hands up, right, if you know what I'm talking about. I mean, it was really everywhere when that song came out. Every time I turned on, turned on MTV, VH1, and BET, it was Beyonce, Kelly, and Michelle singing to me, all the women, right? I probably didn't watch the movie when it came out because I was only like 13 years old, but I knew the song before I watched the movie. I love that song, and I sometimes sing it in my head. Well, eventually, my 13-year-old self grew up and became an independent adult. In the process of becoming an adult, you learn to do things on your own, like folding the laundry, paying your bills, and driving. When I moved out of my parents' house, I was like, yes, I am the independent woman. But, and there is something satisfying about being independent, isn't there? The older we get, the more we have. And the more we have, the less we need of others. These are marks of independence and adulthood. But when it comes to our faith journey, it's quite the opposite. When we are in a growing relationship with Jesus, when we're growing in our relationship with Jesus, our eyes are open to the depravity of our souls, and we become more desperate for God, more dependent on God. Our need for the Holy Spirit grows not only because we're actually in like physical need of something, but because our spirit longs, hungers for the presence of God. I wonder if some of us are feeling stuck today because we are blinded by our own independence. You may be saying with your words that you really want God, but actually you're relying on your own abilities to quench the thirst in your soul. When we feel stressed or sad about something, we flip through Netflix or YouTube to distract us. When the world is going crazy, instead of looking at the word of God for direction, we look to news and social media for answers, but then that drives us even more crazy. Prayer, it becomes our last resort instead of our first line of defense because sometimes prayer just takes too long. You may have everything the world desires for you. Success, nice house. But then why is it that in your heart you still have jealousy, bitterness, and unforgiveness that your possessions cannot heal? We know so well that only Jesus can heal, but we're not experiencing it. Could it be that your faith has shifted from God to something else? Perhaps yourself? New Mercy, God has something so much better than what you can give yourself. He has something so much greater than what the world can give to us. Jesus says, you don't have to carry the burden of life by yourself. He says, come to me who are weary, and I will give you rest. Jesus says, the thief comes only to kill, steal, and destroy, but I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. The anxiety you feel, Jesus tells us that he is the prince of peace whose desire is to give you the peace that surpasses all understanding. Did you know there's like 365 fear knots in the Bible? It kind of varies depending on translation, but I like that because it's for every day. Fear not, I am, for I am with you. Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. The demons you're facing today are not greater than our God because the demons tremble at the mention of his name. 
There is victory over whatever you're facing because there is power in the blood that Jesus shed for us. When you said yes to God, the good news of Jesus Christ, God gave you all of these things and so much more. Our Heavenly Father gave us everything so that we may be forgiven and have eternal life with him. That's what Jesus had to offer. But because Simon was unaware of the depths of his sin, his heart could not receive it. The same goes for us. We need the Holy Spirit to reveal to us the condition of our hearts so that we may approach the throne of grace. The sinful woman knew the condition of her heart. We cannot say for sure exactly what her sins were, but all we know is that she lived a sinful life and people in the town, they all knew about it. The way she approached Jesus shows that she heard Jesus' teaching before and was so moved that she came to see Jesus at Simon's house. When she arrives, the sinful woman begins weeping at Jesus' feet, lavishing her love for him with all that she has. She wipes his feet with her hair, kisses his feet, and pours perfume on them that cost about a year's wage. In those days, women were not invited to such dinners, and Jewish teachers did not speak to the women in public. So her actions, it's, it would have been a huge scandal, and it definitely wouldn't have helped her, situ- her reputation. But despite her reputation, despite the potential for a scandal, this woman was unashamed before Jesus and honored him. After Jesus had told the story of the two debtors and revealed the Pharisees' lack of awareness, Jesus says in verse 47, Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. This woman's actions revealed to Jesus her repentant heart. She did not confess verbally or she didn't host a dinner like Simon did. She simply came before Jesus, completely undone by his grace, and honored him in the best way she knew how. The message of Jesus was so powerful that a woman whose life was marked by sin was completely transformed. So in the beginning of March, I drove down to Virginia to visit my younger sister and her family. She just, at that point, she had just had her baby boy, and she needed some help. So I spent a few days with them. It's about like a four and a half hour drive. So normally I'll listen to music or I'll throw in like a sermon series that I've been waiting to catch up on. So I was listening to a sermon and I began to process with the Lord about the condition of my heart. It was frustrating to me that I was not experiencing God in the way that I wanted. The truth that used to move my heart to tears stopped affecting me. I mean, I still believe everything. But my heart, it just, like, wasn't the same. It wasn't taking it in the same. So I began to confess to the Lord, God, I don't really know what's going on, but I feel like my heart is not the same towards you. I understand it in my brain, and I learned so much in school, but it's just not translating into my heart. So I asked the Holy Spirit to reveal what was going on. And it took a while. It didn't come right away. I was like half listening, half processing, throwing some amens because the pastor was saying some good, th- good stuff. And then a thought popped up into my head. 
Is the gospel still good? Is the gospel you believe in good enough for you? And immediately I knew it was the Lord because my gut knew it. Normally when God tells me something, it's number one, it's like never something I could think of on my own. And it's always in alignment with God's character. And two, I just feel it in my gut. Some people, they get words, pictures. I get like a jab in my gut. I can't explain it, but that's how I know that Jesus is speaking to me. Jesus was asking me, is the gospel still good? So I asked myself, was it never not good? And then all of a sudden, my mind started flooding with all the times my actions proved that the gospel, the gospel, God's truth, God's presence was not good enough. All the times I tried to do things on my own and fix my own wounds when Jesus said he would do it, when he promised me that. All the times I rejected his invitation for intimacy. And at this point, I'm like full on crying and like repenting in the car, you know. Like how selfish and unbelieving am I to reject your calling? How prideful am I that I would settle for knowledge more than a holy transformation? My heart that used to respond with a, respond with a resounding yes, it just kept saying no because I had more to be responsible for. I was so afraid of the little kingdoms I've built that I have failed to seek his kingdom. But Jesus commands us in Matthew 6, verse 33, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things, it will be given to you as well. And with just that one revelation, that one question, I was completely undone before the Lord. The blinds that I had put up for over two years was beginning to crumble down, and my heart of stone was turning into a heart of flesh again. If the worship team can come up. You know, Jesus tells the sinful woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. The forgiveness Jesus extends to the woman was not just a matter of her actions or of her love. It was a matter of faith. The condition of Simon's heart was not one of faith, but of pride. The sinful woman's heart was positioned in faith. And it was that faith in Jesus, that her love for Christ overflowed in tears and kisses. Faith is a condition of the heart, and it's also an action that reveals itself in the heart. It it was the woman's faith in Jesus' message that changed her life, and it was the decision she made to go where Jesus was that revealed her faith to Jesus. Just like the woman who touched Jesus' robe to be healed, this woman's willingness to be where Jesus was changed her life. New Mercy Palisades Church, is the gospel still good? Is the gospel good enough today like it was the day you first met the Lord? The good news of Jesus Christ has the power to bring gospel transformation if we would position ourselves for it. God honors that. Just the way he honored the lady with forgiveness and salvation. When we become undone before the Lord, when we position ourselves to receive, 
Christ, he will refresh our souls and transform our lives with the truth and the power of the gospel.